And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In the name of God, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Amen. We're having trouble with the microphones this morning, so please wave at me if you can't hear me at all. We're working to get it fixed, and I'm going to speak as loudly as I can. Sometimes I like to do a thought experiment with the gospel of the day. I ask myself if all we knew about a common theological concept was the way it's used in this passage, how would we understand it? In this case, I ask myself about faith. If we had only this section of scripture, what would faith mean to us? It's an especially interesting exercise in this part of Luke, because each week we hear about a different meaning. Two weeks ago, faith was compared to a mustard seed, tiny but mighty, full of possibility, hidden and growing underground. Last week, faith was gratitude. Next week, we'll find that it is humility with all the accompanying willingness to receive grace. And after that, faith is reparation, joyfully and generously making amends to those one has harmed. In today's gospel, faith is persistence. One commentator called this the Sunday of nevertheless she persisted. Another called it her assistance, and they are not wrong. In our text, Luke explains that Jesus' parable is to help the disciples learn to pray always and never lose heart. The story has only two characters, a widow and a judge. They live in a certain city, as if Jesus' hearers could imagine what city that might be, or maybe we can. Maybe it's a city we know. But these two people occupy utterly different social locations within their town. The judge holds power to administer the law and settle disputes. He is an important, highly esteemed person. And yet, Jesus says, and the judge's own musings reiterate, he neither fears God nor has respect for people. He is the antithesis of, judgment, of justice, the very opposite of the great commandment to love God and our neighbor. He's just not interested. This is not a judge. Anyone would want to have to hear their case. But he is the judge to whom a widow must come. And she comes and comes. We don't know the nature of the injury against her. Maybe it starts with not being believed. It may have to do with stolen money or lost land or personal harm. Neither do we know who has injured her. What Jesus' hearers would have instantly known, however, is that widows were among the most vulnerable members of their society. Like orphans and foreigners, 
The Torah and the prophets charge that widows be especially cared for by the whole community because they lack the usual supports of family. A widow might experience injustice on many fronts. Garden variety, imperial occupation, and patriarchy as well as social, economic, or personal offense. But at the same time, the Hebrew scriptures and Luke's gospel are full of bold, wily, and resourceful widows. They subvert the expected order. They act on behalf of themselves and others. They use their agency with courage and dignity and abandon. They speak prophetic truth to power. We might think of Tamar, Naomi and Ruth, the widow who challenged and then fed Elijah, of Anna the prophet, and later in Luke, a poor widow who will give everything she has. They're different ages and have different economic situations, and they are not victims. They are active, feisty, creative, and tenacious. They make a way out of no way. Scholars Ched Myers and Elaine Enns propose that Jesus is talking about women he knew, not only in the scriptures, but also leaders in local communities. More than one commentator wonders if Jesus' mother was by this time a widow, whose faith and fierceness inspire her son. The energy of the Magnificat surely seems to animate the persistent widow of our parable as she cries out for justice continually, bringing her plea before the judge. The judge refuses her until, unexpectedly, he relents. It's not that he has a change of heart. It's not moral persuasion or rational argument. As Jesus tells his internal monologue, the judge says something like, because this widow causes me so much work, I will give her justice so that she may not, in the end, give me a black eye by her coming. The Greek is far more evocative than our English, wear me out. The word is hypopiazzo, a term literally used in boxing. Whether the judge actually expects a physical escalation or is thinking metaphorically of his status and reputation, it's clear that he's motivated by exhaustion and self-preservation. He just can't resist this widow any longer. She has worn him down like water on rock, an ever-flowing stream. Is the widow in her persistence and her audacity and her feistiness, an exemplar of Jesus' call to pray always? I believe she is. But it is vitally important to say that this does not mean that the judge is a figure for God, or that God is like the judge, or prayer like the interaction between them. Maybe we all know this. But it bears repeating, especially because sometimes some of us get into a frustrated and transactional way of praying, as if we have to wear God down. We forget, 
sometimes, God's infinite and intimate concern for each one of us, God's passion for justice and for our flourishing. Rather, Jesus is using a rhetorical device here that scholars refer to as light to heavy. That means he argues from a lesser situation to a greater one. If the unjust judge finally gives satisfaction to the importunate widow, how much more will God grant justice to God's beloved who cry out day and night? How does the widow persist day after day? She believes she is worthy of justice. She claims her dignity and her life. I imagine that she was also encouraged by community, maybe a community of other widows, because that is how it seems that we are all able to keep going over time. We hear each other's stories, we pray for each other when we are discouraged and find it hard to pray for ourselves. We encourage and help and stand with each other. I think of those in our world who, like the widow, are persisting against incredible odds. Environmental activists, farm workers seeking labor rights some 50 years on, Dreamers demanding a path to citizenship, the students in Iran. So many people in ages past who struggled for freedom and justice, even though they didn't live to see it. They did the work that was theirs to do because their hearts were fixed there, fixed on the vision of a better day to come. This parable is specifically about our yearning for justice and wholeness. The particular prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, in which we long for and align ourselves with God's goodwill for creation. It speaks to the deep longings and loves of our hearts. And it's about the way we pray with our feet and our voices and our votes, the ways we confront injustice with implacable vision and urgent need. It's also about the mystery of intercessory prayer itself, the hard work of coming before God with the cries of our hearts for ourselves and for those we love. It's about the persistence required to keep praying when it seems that nothing is happening, to grapple with prayers that seem so worthy and yet are unanswered, at least in any way that we can see. It's also about how we are changed as we pray, so that we don't lose heart, but find our hearts stretched and strengthened and filled. The passage grapples with the delay and the hiddenness of God's justice, the silence that answers some prayers. But even so, it directs us to the trustworthy goodness of God at the heart of things. This passage underlines the connection between prayer and justice work, how prayer fills our hearts with God's dream for the world, God's mercy and love for all creation, and how in prayer we're invited to pour out our grief and longing and lament for all that is broken 
even as we sink into God's own broken heart and find our hearts both softened and strengthened. How the daily work of justice pushes us to pray and is itself a kind of prayer, a communion with God in the world. Yesterday was the feast of St. Teresa of Avila, herself both a contemplative and an active reformer. To the nuns under her care, she said, this is what I would like us to strive for, friends. We should engage in prayer, thirst for it even, not because it feels good, but because it gives us the strength we need to be of service. As we read the parable, turning it over and over in prayerful meditation, we ask, where is God in this story and where are we? God is not the judge in this story, but maybe she is the widow. Maybe God is the one who cries and comes continually, knocking on the doors of our hearts and driving us to pray and act for the justice her beloved ones need so desperately. Sometimes we're right there with her, and sometimes we are, frankly, more like the judge. Tired, disinterested, comfortable in our privilege, honestly not caring all that much about other people and their problems. Thank God she continually comes. Still, she persists. In the world we live in, in the weariness of our hearts and lives, we need that divine persistence. In our prayer and in our justice-seeking for this broken, precious, and beautiful world. I dare say that faith that is found on earth depends in part on our willingness to use our capacity, whether the wily courage of the widow or the power and privilege of the judge, to do what justice we can each day, prayerfully, joyfully, and faithfully. I have one more thing to say, and then I will be done. Today begins our pledge drive here at Ascension. I hope all of you will make a commitment to support our church, not because you are exhausted by the Stewardship Committee's continual coming, but because this parish nurtures your faith and you want to help it thrive. If we are to keep on keeping on, we need a community that will walk the road with us, that persists over time, that helps us to hold on to hope and strengthens our hearts. We need community that can hear cries for justice day and night, that can sustain us when we cry and help us see and enact the possibilities for doing justice and loving mercy. We need a community that prays for us when we do lose heart and prays with us all the time. A community that holds up the vision of God's justice, peace, and love and encourages us to serve that love together. We need a community that helps us grow our faith and live it boldly for the long haul. I hope the Church of the Ascension is that kind of community. I hope we are growing together more and more into that faith and action 
nourished and inspired by those who have gone before us. To persist, we need the support of every single one of us. So let us give as generally, generously as we can. Let us care for this church community and let us raise our voices in praise, proclaiming the good news of God's tenacious grace. Let us seek justice day and night. Let us stay with it for the long haul. Let us serve God and God's world with full and joyful hearts. Amen.